Um, God, we just, we're going to pray. God, I just thank you right now. I ask that you would help us to understand what greatness really is. Lord God, you're great, Lord God. Um, and, 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 and what you modeled for us is greatness. We thank you, Lord God. Uh, I ask that you would change the way we think uh, so we can understand it, Lord God. Help us to redefine greatness in the earth. In, in Jesus' name, I pray and thank you. Amen. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we, we're going to talk about redefining greatness. Redefining greatness. So if y'all will, go to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, look on your smart device if you want to at the NLT version so that you can follow along with me at the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 9. Uh, and we're going to look at redefining greatness. Now, you guys didn't know uh, what I was preaching uh, when you all were playing, right, Mike? Yeah, y'all didn't know. Yeah, y'all didn't know. So just just hearing that song, how, how great they are uh, and hearing and then reading this text that we're going to look at this morning is awesome. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verses one through nine uh, in New Living Translation. And again, if you have another translation, that, that's fine as well. Uh, when you have it, say you got it. All right. Everybody with me? Cool. Here it goes. About that time. The disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He could have just said me. And that would have been it. We, we could have left on that. No, uh, uh, Pastor Kirkwood. He said me, Antonio. He said, I am. Why y'all keep asking them dumb questions? <laughs> who, who is the greatest uh, in the kingdom? It's actually the messianic kingdom. Who, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And this is what Jesus does in verse two. He called a little child uh, like Hannah, Joy, uh, uh, you know, he called a little child to him and, and put the child among them. Another translation, uh, another book would say that he picked the child up. He draws attention to the child, y'all. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into could have said my kingdom. You'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse five. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause, if you cause, if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you. To have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Verse seven. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptation is inevitable. It's inevitable. Uh, but what sorrow awaits the people who does the tempting. So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. That's a good passage right there in the Pastor Kirkwood. <laughs> Jesus. He's going to show us how he redefines greatness. Y'all can see I feel it, right? That that song got ready. You know? he, he's redefining greatness. And much of my life, y'all, I have had to unlearn my ideas of greatness. Most of my life, 
You know, I'm 44 years old and most of my life has been spent unlearning these ideas that I had of greatness. They were unhealthy ideas that they bombarded me and y'all got some too. They bombarded me. Uh, it came from my family, came from my friends, came from my environment, come from the things I watched on TV, the songs I heard, the, the things that were, that were placed in front of me, these ideas of greatness. And sometimes these ideas are so deeply rooted, Melody, we have no idea they're there. Other people can see them sometimes because sometimes our ideas of greatness are blind spots. But other folk can see, yeah, 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 you think that's great. You think that's important. You like that too much. They, they, yeah, they, they can see it, right? Other folk can notice. Uh, see, 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 that's the case for self-centered pride. And that's what Jesus is dealing with. It's self-centered pride. And I don't want you to think of pride just like a mean person. You know, sometimes we deal with folk and you can see like, man, they got an attitude, something wrong with them. But sometimes prideful folk can be some of the nicest people. They can be real nice. They smile in your face, open doors for you, wash your car, do real nice thing. They, yeah, they, but they self-centered because what they're doing is really for themselves. See, pride, pride that Jesus is talking about is about me. I'm pursuing me over him. It might look like I'm pursuing God, but I'm really pursuing me. The disciples were pursuing themselves. Everything was about themselves. And the pride that was in their hearts was revealed when the possibility of power was put in front of. We're going to be impotent in your kingdom. Huh. The, the correct translation in Greek says, well, who then is greatest? Because in Luke, and in Mark, it shows that they were arguing. They really was arguing amongst themselves. And we're going to get a little further into Matthew when, 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 when uh, Charles preaches. And it's going to show that there was really a mama to say, uh, uh, Jesus, can, can both my sons sit on your right and your left in the kingdom? He's like, yeah, yeah, they can sit there. Yeah, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. If they're willing to, to suffer the suffering, I suffer, you know, because they was going to have to go through. They didn't know what they were asking for. Yeah, who, who, who? going to be the greatest who's going to be the greatest so they're arguing about who's going to be first i want to be in front of the line who's going to be first in this new kingdom that jesus is having and forming and he interrupts them jesus inter interrupts their self-centered conversation and says you won't be great you won't be great anthony you won't be great mike you won't be great bird you won't be great mel you won't be great then you better get low Great people get low. That's what it means to be humble. Great people get low. Yeah, washing feet look cute on, on TVN. Wash some real feet. Yeah, it look cute on the Word Network. Go serve some homeless folk for real. Have them cuss you out and say, well, you ain't got no more? Get, get low. Great people get low. So, so, so are we willing to lower our ego? Can you lower the desire you have on the inside that don't nobody see to be seen when you walk into a room? Can you lower your voice and not be the loudest person in the room? Can you lower the way you cut people off when they talking because your point is so important? Huh? Can you lower all your expectations of other folks? Can you lower your high view of yourself because you have a low view of some other people? Can you lower it? Get low. Great people, he says, get low. You, you got to get low. You got to get low. You got to get low. And, and he introduces this thing called humility. And humility for them was a foreign concept. 
You, you know why it was foreign? Uh, now, here's where we've got some tension. Uh, it was foreign because they lived under Roman oppression. And to be under Roman oppression was humble. Yeah, women in many cases were viewed as property. That was considered humble. Kids had no rights. They were good for working the land. That was considered humble. The people that had diseases, the lepers, folk who were sick, who had to stay away from the community, who were ostracized, that was considered humble. And you're telling us to get humble? Because he's redefining greatness. He came and did everything countercultural. He's turning, he's turning society on his head with this new concept that they ain't never seen before. People that had to beg for money because they depended on the community was considered as humble. They had to get low. And he said, you got to get low if you want to be great. That's why he says in verse four, he says, you got to turn. He says, you got to turn. Some translation says, you got to be converted. Uh, it, it's not conversion as, as it relates to salvation. It's conversion as it relates to repentance. You got to change the way you think. Your thinking is too high about you. I need you to get low. He said, I need you to get low. I need you to get low. And I think that uh, too many churches uh, got folk that don't want to get low. Now, we're talking to the, to the church right now, right? Because he was talking to the church that he was forming. I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to folks that's going to be watching and, and listening. Too many folk in church are, are filled with individuals who don't want to get low. They don't want to get low. They don't want to get low. Yeah, yeah. Because we like being recognized. We, we like our name too much. We, we, we like how it looks on plaques. We, we like our titles too much. But that type of greatness is fading. It's fading right now. It's fa Look at me. We're getting older. Look at your hands. We're getting older. You got wrinkles in your hands. Huh? Think about what you forget. How sharp you used to be. You can't even remember certain stuff. You don't know what time it is now. You just know you're in church. Just, 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 everything is fading. Look at your mama who may be here or may not be here. People are getting older. People are dying. Greatness as we know it is fading. It's fleeting. This stuff don't mean nothing. It's, it's fading. And I'm going to tell you something. If we are not willing to get low, we will get in the way. Yeah, for real, if, if we don't get low, we will get in the way of people trying to get to Jesus. If we don't get low, we will get in the way of people who are truth seekers who just want to understand Jesus. If we don't get low, we will get in the way of those who are babes in Christ. Symbolism of the child who are immature in the faith. If we don't get low, we will hinder their growth. We will make them want to turn away. They will fade away. It's called apostasy. They, they, they'll leave if you don't get low if I don't get low we're gonna get in the way I don't want to get in the way of anybody trying to get to Jesus he says if you're gonna be great you got to get low if you're gonna be great you got to get out the way that's heavy right there you gotta get out the way one of those uh, ways that we can do that one practical step of getting out the way is uh, welcoming folk hospitality ain't something nice something about hospitality being greeted with a smile a real one you know people just being warm to you you know when folk fake you can feel it you like you fake right there you ain't real you faking that two dollar bill just fake you know just fake just you know but something about being welcomed right yeah have you ever been somewhere where you felt unwelcomed you, you walk in you know they ain't want you there maybe because of how you looked maybe because of your gender maybe because of your hair 
Maybe because of your height. Maybe because of your size. Huh? Maybe because you didn't speak the language that they like. You weren't as articulate. You just, they just felt unwelcome. You ever walk into a, uh, to a crowd and people didn't even acknowledge you. You know what I'm saying? You walk in somewhere, they, they, don't, they don't even speak to you, right? I tell you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you ever had somebody make you feel dumb? Talk over your head. Uh, John Perkins down in uh, Mendenhall Ministries in Jackson, Mississippi, he says, one of the best ways you can love people is speaking a language they can understand. He said, he said don't speak over people's heads. He said, he said, keep it simple. Talk to them like, like in a way they can understand, you know? But you're using all them big words. You think you're so important. That's pride. It'll get in, it'll get in the way. Get in the way. He says, he says, welcome them. In, in that original Greek language, Charles, welcoming them or receive them, depending on what version of the Bible you have, means to take somebody by the hand. That, isn't that amazing? Especially with him using the illustration of the child. Because you know how it is when, when children are not taken by the hand. They might wander anywhere. Come on now. What, what happens with taking a child by the hand? You, you, you can direct them. You can keep them safe. And he's like, look, I want you to take young folk in the faith. I want you to guide them in the place they need to go. Young believers, people who are new to this thing called Christianity. I want you to take them by the hand and humbly help them get closer to me. Can you do that, church? Can, can, can you get low and then can you get out the way? Get out their way and bring them to me. They trying to grow, help them grow. They trying to understand, help them understand. They need somebody to take their time with them. Don't assume people get it. Don't, 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 don't speak over people's heads using language they don't understand. Throw the church slang out the, out the window. Speak right directly in the folk household. Get low. Get out the way. Take them by the hand. And Jesus warns the disciples, don't allow your self-centered pride to get in the way. You need to be considerate of folk. That means I got to evaluate whether my life leads people to Christ or turns them away. I got to get low. I got to get out the way. The last thing I got to do is I got to get rid of sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way. I ain't talking about the sin uh, that, 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 that keeps you from being saved because we saved. He's he talking about that habitual thing you keep on doing, that sin. You know what it is. Yeah, you want to be great? Get rid of your sin. Get rid of your sin. Get rid of your sin. That habitual sin that, that, that you have the power to overcome. Get, get, he says, get rid of it. And, and this, is the, this is the issue. Some of us are not willing to get rid of our sin because we love our sin more than we love Jesus. We love Jesus, but we love our sin. That's why we keep it a secret. Don't tell nobody. You know, men got a problem talking to other men, Pastor. You know, we like to keep our secrets. Women will talk about that, cry about melodies. You know, I got this issue. You know, we just be like, I'm cool, I'm good. Size each other up, walk around with our chest out, act like we got, no, nah, we hurt. He said, no, nah, you, got, you got to get rid of your sin. And First John would say, you need to confess it. You need to confess your faults one to another. You can start right there, expose that mess. He said, get rid of, get rid of your sin. Are we willing to get rid of our sin because in order for us to be great as he defines it we got to get rid of some stuff can't hold on to it uh, Hebrews 12 and 1 says this in the contemporary English version listen to this y'all 
You probably know it in the King James, but this is the contemporary English version. It says such a large crowd of witnesses all around us. That's what people get like mama and grandmama watching down from heaven. Yeah, they talk about the the ancestors who went on to be with the Lord. We got a great cloud of witnesses, right? It it says uh, we got a crowd of witnesses all around us. Check this out, what it says. So we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. The truth is, it doesn't have a hold of us. We have a hold of it. No, no, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It is no longer I that live, that Christ that lives within me. No, no, sin ain't got a hold of me. I got to hold it. And he's like, no, 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 let it go, let it go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. Here's the good news. Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts, and he didn't throw them away. He didn't quit on. He kept on teaching, kept on instructing, kept on leading all the way to the cross. Here's good news for us. He sent his spirit. He's still instructing. He's still convicting. He's still leading. He's still teaching. And he ain't throwing us away. Because he wants us to be great as he defines greatness. God, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. Uh, we ask that you would help us to live great for you, not great for this world. Help us, Lord God. Train us, Lord God. Convict us. Help us to be quick to repent and turn, Lord God. Quick to confess, to talk to a brother or sister, Lord God. Help us to deal with our own pride. You tell us to be humble. You've given us the power to do it. We thank you, Lord. I ask that you would help us, Lord God, to be a church, to be a body of Christ, to be believers that that represent you well in this city. It is in Jesus' name I pray and thank you. Amen.